welcome to Unscripted with Pastor Nate Morris. Here, each week we engage in candid conversations with Nate, focusing in on some of the subjects brought up in the Sunday morning teaching shared at Mountain Life Calvary Chapel. Have you ever felt overwhelmed with a difficulty and like there's nobody who cares and no one who can help? We probably all get to that place from time to time, but as followers of Jesus, there's always someone who sees and cares. In this episode of Unscripted, we discuss one of the reasons God became man was so he could intimately relate to our struggles, but even more than that, how he can help us overcome those struggles. Let's join the discussion now. Well, hey, Nate, it's good to see you. Uh, You spoke yesterday about the power to be invisible. (laughs) And it was hilarious because... The power to be invisible, yes. (laughs) The the night before we watched this goofy movie, I don't know if you've ever seen it, Ben Stiller movie called The Mystery Men. No, I've never seen that. It's a bunch of wannabe uh, superheroes. Oh, okay. And uh, it's just a ridiculous movie. But um, super, I don't know, goofy, funny. And one of the characters in that is uh, the invisible boy. And he has the power to be invisible, but it only works when nobody's looking at him. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) And so when it came to church on Sunday morning and you said, do you ever feel like you're invisible? I had to (laughs) lean over to my wife and say, invisible boy. He has the power to be invisible. So maybe I have that. (laughs) I mean, if, how do you know if you have it when nobody's looking at you? That's the thing. Oh, you know, you know, yeah, you, you just, you can tell. Yeah. You can, just tell. can you see yourself or not? That's the question I want to know. I can't answer that question. Oh, so you have this power. Well, I don't want to talk about it. Okay. Anymore. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> but okay. leads us into our intro question for you is if you could have any superpower, what would that power be? And why would you want it? I don't think it would be being invisible because that one just seems kind of creepy. You know what I mean? Like you're just a creeper. I don't think anybody would ever trust you. No. If they knew you could be invisible. No. Uh, I just think it would be cool to fly around. Fly. Yeah. I think that'd be cool. I mean, I like, yeah, being super strong would be cool. Be invincible. All the different things that you could be, but I think it'd be pretty cool to fly. That's like, yeah, some of those things are just like, you would be better at something you can already do, but flying. Yeah. That's something you just can't do. Yeah. So. That's yeah. What uh, you you talked about being invisible, feeling like that sometimes in life, where like nobody sees you, nobody cares, uh, those kinds of feelings that that we can have, and and you you really focused in on that passage in Ephesians four verses seven through ten, where it says, "But to each one of us grace is given according to the measure of Christ's gift." Therefore, he says. When he ascended on high, he led captivity captive and gave gifts to men. Now this he ascended, what does it mean? But that he also first descended into the lower parts of the earth. He who descended is also the one who ascended far above all the heavens that he might fill all things. And and you talked and really zeroed in on how uh, Jesus, you know, was God become man, Emmanuel, God with us. Mm-hmm. And, and specifically, I loved, I loved this teaching. It really spoke to me um, about the fact that, you, you know, you said he could come 
And if all he was here to do was to die on a cross, he could have done that in a day. Right. But there was a lot more to him being here. And one of those things was that he became fully human so that he could fully empathize with, uh, with us, with humans. And then in this scripture, you know, it's talking about that, that descending in the Mm -hmm. sense of giving up his glory and coming down. And, and then it, the thing that you shared that really struck me was that he led captivity captive. Now, man, I've been a pastor for 32 years, and I had never heard it described the way that you described it yesterday. And it was like one of those moments, like those epiphany moments, like, mm. yes, that's what that means. And I don't know. I've probably heard it before, but it just never connected, yeah. maybe. Huh. But, um, you know, you, you shared that this was... Jesus showing his victory over captivity, yeah. that, that captivity captive, that he was victorious over everything that seeks to hold us captive. Mm, and yeah. um, you know, shared that, you know, in those days, that's what would happen is a victorious king would parade down the street with his prisoners of war and everybody would ridicule them and stuff like that. And as you were talking about that, I was like, oh man. Who are the prisoners? Who are, who are Jesus's prisoners of war? Like, yeah, I hope right. it's not me. Yeah. <laughs> you know, when, no. how is this going to relate? <laughs> right. And then when you said it was captivity, it was just like, I was like, that's right. That is so good. Yeah. And that he was just, you know, making a, a public mockery of captivity, of death, of sin, the devil, and all of those things. Yeah. And so that victory that Jesus won, and, you know, his victory gives us victory over the things that hold us captive. You were talking about that, but how does it do that? How does his victory relate to my life practically over those things that seek to hold me captive, whether it's jealousy or rage or uh, pride or whatever? Yeah, and there's there's a lot there. I think um, just even pausing and stepping back for just a second, I actually had a very different message planned this weekend. I, I was gonna kind of gloss over verse eight nine and 10. Um, just because I was like, I don't really get what this is about. You know, (laughs) I mean, not that I didn't get it, but it was kind of like, this is just a little side note that Paul's got going on in the middle of the bigger picture discussion of spiritual gifts and unity in the church. And so I was actually going to go into a whole, uh, monologue about spiritual gifts. What is their purpose? Why do we have them? What are they? Um, how do we know what we have? And I had this whole thing kind of mapped out. And then when I like was sitting down to finalize it. I was just like, this is not the message for this weekend. And that, that particular text about him descending and then ascending and leading captivity captive. And, and the fact that he came down and, and identified with us, it just was like, no, this is what, this is what the Lord has for today. And I think, um, the, 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 the thought of the things that hold us captive being taken captive by Christ um, is a really powerful one that I don't think we really think about all that often because we still feel like we're captives at times, right? We still feel stuck to things. Um, and the, the hard thing with that is like, it, it feels like I can't get away from this, or I, it feels like you can't get away from that, that habit or whatever it might be. But the truth is, is that that thing has already been taken out of the way. Um, Jesus not only set us free from that, but he actually has now bound up the, the thing that was binding us up, right? He's taken it like 
out of the way. Not only are we like set free so that we don't have to go back to it, but he's now taken it captive and it no longer has sway over us. Um, and I think that's the thing that, that is really hard to grasp. And, and this is something, I mean, I, I'll be the first to admit, I don't have this down perfectly. I, I still struggle with this is like, we feel like things stick to us. We feel like shame and guilt and we feel like, uh, the, the attacks of the enemy. We feel like, you know, the opinions of other people, these things can, uh, in our lives, we tend to give power to them that, that as a believer, they don't actually have over us because Christ triumphed over those things at the cross, you know? Um, and he paid the penalty that made the way it was, it was all him. And so that, that captivity that we were under is now, taken captive by him and it's taken out of the way. So I, I know that it's hard to realize that at times to like actualize that in our lives, if you will. But, um, but it's the, the spiritual truth of the matter. And it's, um, and it's a beautiful truth really when we can grasp it, that, that not, not only are we set free, but there's like nothing to become a slave under again, you know? Yeah. And the, I guess the, I was thinking this morning because I was listening to the teaching on the way in again this morning, and I was like, man, I feel like I need to hear this at least once a day, if not multiple times a day, that these things no longer hold me captive because uh, maybe it's just me, maybe I'm just a struggler, but um, I feel like those things often, you know, whatever it may be, you know, just thoughts, you know, just maybe anxious thoughts mm-hmm. or whatever, they come in and 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 I feel like, oh man, this is taking my joy or whatever it may right. be, and and like I like I want to connect the two <laughs> so that I don't have to be in it every moment. But maybe yeah. that's just what God wants for us is to to just be constantly reminded the fact that oh, this thing does not have uh, control over you, yeah, uh, this thought or whatever, and um, that you know, wh- why do you think that? that we often feel like something that has no power over us does have power over us. Why yeah. do you think we slip into those thoughts? Do you have any idea? I, you know, I think that as people, we, I think that we tend to enslave ourselves to things in our minds. You know what I mean? And yeah. we build ruts and habits and things, you know, um, in the book that Craig Rochelle's book, winning the war in your mind, it's a great book. Uh, highly recommend reading it. It's, I like the way that he writes about these things because he takes science and he takes scripture and he takes what the truth of both of those things is and meshes them together and says, this is like, this is your life. This is your mind. This is what God says about your mind. This is what science says about your mind. And then here's how you, pro- you, you process it. And he talks about, in there, he talks about these neural pathways that we build, right. you know, these kind of things where it's like, <laughs> it's like when I get on the highway, you know, I'm coming from home and I'm going to the office. Uh, if I'm coming up Valley, I live in Eagle. I drive 25 minutes to work every day. You know, I'm up Valley probably six days a week from where I live. And nearly every time that I go past this one intersection, I turn right and I get on the highway and I take the road up to Edwards from Eagle. Well, there's sometimes when I don't do that, it's not as often. And I remember this one time I was just kind of zoned out. I I might've been on the phone or maybe I was listening to music or something. I don't remember exactly. And I meant to go straight because I was going to go left. And I 
just wasn't thinking about it at all. And I found myself suddenly halfway to Wolcott and I'm like, wait a second, what am I doing? Where am I? You know, how did I get here? And it's because my mind had just built this pathway that this is what you do when you get to this place. Because mm. our, our mind does that mm. so that we can process more important information. It, it, mm. it, by, it bypasses these secondary things that we repeatedly do. Mm -hmm. And so those become second nature to us. And I think the same thing can, can happen with habits. Mm-hmm. And the same thing can happen with our, um, with our mental and emotional state. When we, we go to anxiety at a certain trigger or we go to, you know, fear at a certain trigger. And so that's our brain's natural response to those things. Um, and so it's really easy to fall into like what you could call like that rut. Like it's a rut that you've worn out, right? When you're walking mm -hmm. on a hiking trail, the reason the trail's there is because a million people have walked it before. Mm -hmm. You don't walk through the bushes and just kind of create a new trail very easily. It's much easier to go on the trail. And the same thing's true in our brains, I think, and in our hearts, um, that we go where we've been before. And mm -hmm. a lot of times when something comes up that might cause us to be fearful or anxious or jump into something that we don't want to do, um, it takes more mental effort to choose not to do that thing right. than to choose to just do it because that's where your brain's been conditioned to do, just like getting on the highway. Mm -hmm. And this is all the science side of things, right? This is all the science side of things. And where the, the work of the spirit steps in is he comes in and he removes the things that would dr draw us to those well-worn neural pathways <laughs> mm. where we are set free from that, but, but we still have to make the choice to deviate from what our past prior course has been. Right. Yeah. And I think sometimes God does it in ways that's easier where for some people, you know, it's like, man, I woke up and I was free from cocaine addiction and I never needed to have it again. For other people, it's a matter of waking up every day and choosing that morning. Am I going to follow what God says about me? Or am I going to follow what I've said about myself and go down this one path mm -hmm. that I've gone down so many times? But it's that choice to believe and walk by faith in the truth of what God says, that my captivity has been taken captive. Yeah. And I've, I have to remember that. I have to remind myself of that. I mean, this is, this is something for myself. I mean, I struggled with addiction a lot when I was younger in different ways. I never liked being out of control, so I never liked getting drunk or getting high or any of those things that although I did do drugs and did do alcohol and all that stuff a bit when I was younger, I just never liked being not sober. I didn't like being out of control. And so that was never really my struggle. It was other things, you know, like I smoked cigarettes for a long time and that was like a, a something that I went to or it was food or it was working out too much. It was just, I had to have some sort of outlet that was my kind of addiction. Right. And, um, for me, breaking that was not as simple as just like, okay, I'm free of it. Here we go. Mm -hmm. <laughs> it was rebuilding those neural pathways towards the things of the Lord. And, and a lot of that required faith in recognizing, man, I'm not who I used to be. So the, the reality to break it down super simply is like Jesus won that victory. So that's past. Yeah. And then we can walk in that victory in a moment. We don't, it doesn't take like five years to learn how no. to walk in that victory. Any you can moment, do it right, right away. It's just a matter of continuing to walk mm -hmm. in that victory and not falling back into those, those ruts and stuff that, that can pull us back in. I, I hate driving in the right lane going up Vail Pass. Oh, it's so bad right now. <laughs> because yeah. the ruts that From those the trucks yeah. have worn in over the winter time, it's just like sucks you in there. And it's like, oh, I can't even control the car. Yeah. It's just like being on uh, the Disneyland little car yeah. ride or something. You know? <laughs> right. 
And that's why I think, yes, sometimes we just get sucked back into those things. Well, another big part of the teaching was you were talking about how Jesus became human so he could, uh, you know, one of the big reasons was so that he could empathize with all the struggles we face. I, mm-hmm. I thought about that as you were teaching it. I thought about it in a, in a new way for me um, was that almost like, not that God does, I mean, he has full knowledge. He's, he's omniscient. And so it's not like, hmm, I wonder what those humans are like. I wonder what it's right. like to be a yeah. human. But I thought about it a little bit like that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that uh, that it was uh, not just like this curiosity, but it was like this commitment that God was saying, I want you to know that I can fully empathize with you because I became a man. I yeah. became a human. Uh, why do you think God wanted to do that. Why do you think he want, I mean, he's God, right? He, yeah. he doesn't have to do that. Right. Why What do you think? I mean, get inside the mind of God for us, Pastor Nate. <laughs> <laughs> if only, and, if only uh, I can do that. And yet it's interesting because it says we have the mind of Christ, right? But, oh, yeah. you know, I think, man, I, the thing that really kind of had that one of those moments for me when I was writing this message and, and giving this message even was not even so much the fact that Jesus became human, but that Jesus is still human. Right. Yeah. I remember you saying that, you know, like, like, cause he is, he resurrected from the grave. He physically resurrected and he still has his resurrection body. It's not, he didn't just become spirit, you know, and Mm -hmm. disappear. He's still human and God fully at the same time. And that, that for me, I mean, I've always known that, but it just kind of clicked in my mind in a weird way. And, um, I think that right now he stands as a human and God between us and the holiness of himself and God as, as our intermediary, as our, you know, our atonement as the only righteous human. Um, and so there's a positional thing there, but I, I think when he came down and lived among us and became one of us and really experienced the fullness of humanity as a human, um, there's two things that that did. One, I think you're right. I think it did give him an insight that maybe he didn't have, you know, <laughs> in, in some way. I don't, I, I don't know that like yeah. people could take that and say that I'm being heretical. I'm not, I'm, this is just pure speculation. I don't sure. know the mind of God. I can't pretend to say what God can, can see, you know, and experience, but, but it's a, it's an experience of being his creation, you know? Um, and then on the other side of this, and, and I think because of that, actually, he, he can, empathize with us. He can, um, identify with us when we're experiencing sorrow or joy or weakness or sickness or depression or whatever it might be. He can, he can come and be our comforter as one who has gone through it. Mm. And there's something powerful about that. Um, but then on the other side of it is, um, for us to look at him as someone right. who's gone through it. Right. You know? Yeah. I think that for him to go through it and experience it for himself and be able to empathize with us is is, is good. And and maybe that was something that in, in some sense was different for, for him than but I don't know. I can't I just can't that, that just blows my mind to try to think like that. <laughs> right. But I think that the real thing for us, the application for us is to for us to be able to say, Man, I'm struggling. I'm dealing with grief right now. Man, Jesus dealt with grief. Yep. You know, I, uh, I, my, Mm. I had a family member who lost uh, kind of a, an extended family member who lost their mother this past year. And 
man, she was just broken. She was broken and upset and just texted me. And she's like, do you have any scriptures or thoughts or anything that you can share with me to be an encourage that would encourage me? And I just said, you know, I don't have anything that's going to make you just feel better. But what I do know is that Jesus lost a friend. And when he lost a friend, he cried and he wept because he experienced that grief and that sorrow of death, even though he knew he was going to raise this friend up from the dead a few days later. I mean, a few minutes later, he knew he was going to raise Lazarus from the dead. But in that moment, he wept Mm -hmm. and he grieved and he experienced that sorrow. Um, and I think that w- us being able to, for her, this was a powerful moment because she's like, yeah, you're right. Jesus, Jesus knows what I'm going through. Mm-hmm. Like not only he, can he comfort me because he's God, but he can comfort me because he's been there and he put himself there in order to be able to comfort me in a sense, you know? Um, so there's something powerful about that. There's also something powerful about the fact that Jesus experienced every temptation that we experience, you know? Yeah. And I think that that is another thing that, I mean, often we feel like temptation is sin, you know, like the temptation to do something is a sinful thought because we beat it back, right? We beat back the temptation. That's not a bad thing to beat back the temptation, but, um, but he was tempted in every yeah. way that we are. He was without sin. He never gave in. But was he tempted to do something wrong? Yes, absolutely. Was he tempted to lust? Yes, absolutely. Was he tempted to uh, to lie? I mean, yeah. Was he tempted to give in to Satan? Yes, he was. That's why the story's there. He was tempted yeah. in the wilderness, you yeah. know? And that's what, you know, he was tempted that whole 40-day time. It wasn't just those three at the end that we mm-hmm. have recorded. But I, I, something that you said that, that really kind of really popped out to me too is, is that he can relate to everybody's temptation. And you said in the teaching that like, you might be able to find somebody who can relate to certain temptations that you struggle with, but not every temptation you struggle with. Mm-hmm. But he was tempted in every single way any yeah. human could ever be tempted. That's crazy it to think crazy. about. Because there are certain temptations that really get after some people that I'm like, man, I don't struggle with that at all. You know? <laughs> right. But, yeah. but I mean, just let your mind go out there, you know, and not too far, but you know, then think about that's, it's just wild yeah. to think about because we see him as holy, you know, mm-hmm. and, and perfect. And he was, yeah. and so I think it's hard for us to conceive that he could have these wicked thoughts that go through my head. Like, like you said, that just the temptation, yeah. not the actual dwelling on it and acting on it, but just the thought and you feel so dirty, right. you know, when the thought yeah. goes through your head and to think that Jesus had that thought go through his head, yeah, it's just, it's mind blowing. But then when you do understand that, man, it's like, he really does. <laughs> I don't want to get into the the commercials that are on because of the... He gets us. He, he does. He does get us. Whether you like us. the commercials or not, he does. That is truth. I, I was just uh, reading a book by Tim Keller this last week about uh, experiences with Jesus. And um, he talked about that, that uh, when Jesus wept, that whole scene, and it says that when Jesus went to the tomb, you know, to raise Lazarus from the dead, knowing what, you know, he had already wept. And it says that he was groaning in himself in the original language means like he was just in fury. He was just infuriated. He was just like in a rage, like yeah. just so upset is what the original language is saying there. And, and what he was so upset at was death Yeah, <laughs> and not, yeah. Oh, just like, man, you know, yeah. I love that because you know, as a man, at least, you know, I love that part of the fight, you know, and he's just like, 
You know, I, I love the trash talking in the Bible. Like, death, where's your sting? What's yeah. up? <laughs> you know, right. I love that. But yeah, um, yeah just, man, it's so good just to think about how he could uh, relate to us in those ways. And, um, you know, what do you, what do you think causes us, though, to feel like God, Jesus, is unrelatable to us. I mean, that was a big part of your teaching was just, you know, about how God, God does see us. We're not invisible yeah. to God. He does care about us. What, why do you think we slip into that mode sometimes where we think like, well, God doesn't care about this. Yeah. I, I think because, and this is going to sound kind of weird, but I think it's because we rightly see ourselves as insignificant. Um, and we are insignificant in the grand scheme of things. Because you look at the universe, you look at the world, you look at the number of people who have existed over history. And for me to be a speck on the timeline of humanity, which is a speck on the ski, this, this, the, the size of the, the solar system, which is a speck on the size of the galaxy, which is a speck on the size of the universe. I mean, like, I am insignificant. And I, that's, that's, that's not an unhealthy thing to recognize that. But it, then it's what you do with that. Mm. And I think we feel like we're un, insignificant because we are. And then we say, well, surely God doesn't care about me because mm. there's been billions upon billions upon billions of people on this planet. Mm. There is, are trillions of stars in the galaxy with trillions of planets around them. And all, I mean, this is like, this is just like, we're so small. Like yeah. God doesn't care about me. Yeah. And, if he did care, I'm just too insignificant. I'm not the pastor of the mega church. I'm not Billy Graham. I'm not the guy ministering in the jungles. You know, I'm not, yeah, I'm just, just, uh, I'm just a homemaker. I'm just, you know, working in the garage. I'm just this. And we feel like we're insignificant because we are insignificant. But the miraculous thing is that God looks on each one of us and says and gives us significance. Ooh. Like he sees us and he places significance on us. And that's the thing that I think is so hard for us to accept is that God could actually value me as an individual in spite of the, the grandness of the universe and the number of people that have been around and how insignificant my life is compared to other people's, you know, it's yeah. just, it's crazy. Well, that's a, I think it sounds like a struggle with pride in humility, you know, as far as like, we want to think that we deserve God to care about us. Like, oh right. yeah, ooh, look at that one. <laughs> that human, man, they're mm -hmm. something special. I really right. love them. But it, it takes me back to the, the uh, Jewish nation, the nation of Israel, when uh, God speaks to them and, or uh, through a prophet and says, you know, God didn't pick you guys because you're so great. He picked you because he loves you. Yeah. And it's not because you were greater than any other nation. Like, oh man, those Jews, I gotta, <laughs> they got it. They're, they're right. going to be my people. Right. It was just out of love. And, and I think that that hurts our pride, which is a good thing. And, but if we can just be humble about it and go, you know, God does care about me because he just loves me. Yeah. <laughs> not that totally. I could figure that all out, but, but it's just truth. Well, and, any, and, it, and the crazy thing is, if anything, like, and you look in 1 Corinthians, I mean, if God were to choose based on anything, 
it would be choosing the most insignificant, Ooh. like the the foolish things of the, the world, world to confound the wise, right? Yeah. Like he said, look, Paul says, look around you. Not many are mighty or noble <laughs> or like, look at the people around you. They're kind of weird. <laughs> like you got some weirdos in your midst there. And here's a mirror. Yeah. Like look all you got to do is just look at that guy sitting, look at your, yeah, look at yourself there. Like you guys are not the, 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 the A team here. Okay. That's not what's going on. Right. So if God chose you, <laughs> Do you really think his standard is based off of your excellence? No, it's not. Mm. It's based on his love. You know? Yeah, that reminds me, this verse is in First Peter 5. It says, therefore, humble yourselves mm. under the mighty hand of God that he may exalt you. He may exalt you in due time, casting all your care upon him for he cares for you. And he just talks yeah. about that, that humility in that section about there's, there's yeah. some kind of connection between humility and understanding that God cares about you. What do you think is the danger to a person who thinks that they don't matter to God and like that God can't empathize with their struggles? What's the danger of that incorrect thought? I, I think there are many dangers to that. I think um, one of them is going to be just the, the fact that you're calling God a liar, you know? I think that that's, that's a dangerous place just to be, (laughs) you know, and and this is something we all struggle with because we know what the word of God says about us. And we say the opposite thing about ourselves. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, and we're calling God a liar when we do that. And I I think that's, that's definitely dangerous because we, when we start to disagree with God on one thing, we'll start to disagree with him on other things. Um, but then the other side of it is, I think that when we don't accept the the love of God for us on a practical basis, it sets a tone for the rest of our lives that we start to not accept the love of God for us on the other in the other ways and areas in our life as well. And so we, we start to operate based on a performance basis mm. in life. And um, I mean, it says that all of our righteousness is as filthy rags. Like we, the nothing that we can do is ever going to be good enough. And that's not to say that we're so bad. That's just to say that he is so good. And um, I think when we think that we have to earn our way into God's favor or that, you know, God couldn't care about us because we're insignificant or we're too big of a sinner or we're too big of this or we're too big of that, we're putting a works-based righteousness on ourselves that is not the gospel, um, and that's a dangerous thing. One, like if that's where you've been, maybe you haven't actually received or believed the true gospel. That is that, that Jesus died for you on the cross. He made a way where there was no way. There is, was, and will be nothing that you can ever do to get to him. Only by accepting his love for you can you be made righteous and holy and whole. And that's, we believe that, but that's a hard thing to practically accept in our lives because it's like, okay, well, I believe that. And yes, I'm, I'm living that, but then, oh, I messed up over here. And oh, I messed up over there. And oh, I did this. And man, this is a struggle for all of us. This is a struggle for me because I think it's really easy to judge ourselves based on our works. And the point of this isn't to say your works don't matter because they do. He, he chose us before the world began for works that he would, you know, that we would walk in and Ephesians 2 10 where we're created as living masterpieces for the good works that he created for us to walk in. Right. Um, but those works are not the things that actually save us or make us acceptable to God. We're only acceptable and always acceptable because of what Jesus did on the cross. Then in contrast to that, 
how can it be a, a source of power for us to understand that God cares about us? Like how yeah. it can be detrimental to think that God doesn't care about us. How can it be helpful in our lives to know the truth that God does care about us? And how can that like, uh, I don't know, like give us courage or like, how is that a, a powerful yeah. thing that helps us to live our lives in a positive way? Right. Yeah. Um, and I mean, I think probably everybody listening has heard this taught one way or another, but we don't, we don't serve God to, to like get God on our side. We serve God because we love him, right? We, we love him because he first loved us. We've received his love. And so we want to honor him. We want to live lives that please him. But I actually think that that's not even the full extent of it. When we receive the love of God, and this is something that, that, uh, that, it takes a moment by moment kind of living in that. It's kind of like you talked about earlier. We have, we have victory. Like you can pause right now and whatever struggle you're struggling with, whatever it might be. I mean, maybe you're addicted to alcohol or maybe you're a, an anger addict and you just get angry at your spouse and yell all the time, or maybe you're addicted to porn or whatever it might be. You can stop right now this second in your mind and just declare, I have victory over this in mm. Christ. And right now you are set free. You are victorious. Yeah. And it's as if you never did that in Christ's eyes, <laughs> yeah. this moment, but you got to choose that each moment. Yeah. And so I, I can walk in that victory or I cannot walk in that victory. Right. And so it's a moment by moment walking with Christ. And when we walk in the victory, we experience the power of God come alongside and fill us up and, and move through us. And I, and I think, so I'm talking about victory, but even if we're talking about just living the life that would honor God and doing the things that God would have us to do, um, doing those good works that God prepared beforehand for us to walk in. Those are things that are the overflow of our relationship with God. When we are resting in the love of God is when we're actually stirred to our highest uh, actions, our highest level of, of influence, our highest level of uh, energy being output, because it's not us doing the work. It's the Holy Spirit through us, right? And I'm not saying you just sit around all day and contemplate God and go be a monk. <laughs> you know, That's not what I'm saying. But I think that so often we're trying to muster up the energy yeah. to do the thing, to do the right thing or not do the wrong thing. And when we simply rest in the amazing fact that Jesus came down, that's what Paul's doing in this section. He's like, man, we're talking about this, but like Jesus came down, like he came down here. Like how crazy is that? When we rest in that fact that he loved us that much, um, then honestly, when you, when you allow your heart to be filled with that, you can't help but love in response and, um, and honor him in response. And yeah. so uh, sometimes those moments are few and far between because we get self-focused, but, um, but that's really the, the, the practicality of that is, man, when you can just find yourself in the love of God, mm -hmm. that that's when you're actually stirred to your highest effectiveness. Yeah. I was thinking about it from the perspective of this, of a father, you know, with my children too. And just like if, if one of them came to me and said, you know, dad, I, I don't think you really care about me. I would just like, I'd be in tears. I'd just like, yeah. I'd be so brokenhearted to think that my kids thought that for whatever reason. And right. not that I did something to make them think that, but for some reason they just in their heart, couldn't accept the fact that I really loved them and cared the, about them. And I think about that with, with God a lot, you know, in that kind of relationship, I, I think becoming a father has been so helpful to me in my walk with the Lord, because yeah. I think I, I get that side of him, that love side of him so much more now that like, 
he wants to bless me. If I try to bless my kid and my kid's like, I'm not good enough. I don't deserve that. It's like, you're, you're breaking my heart here yeah. you know, and you're stealing my joy. Yeah. And I don't want to do that to God, you know, no. like yeah, to totally. accept his love. I think sometimes we feel like if we're being selfish, like, Oh, you know, I don't deserve his love and stuff. And it's like, but no, but you're, you're breaking his heart by not accepting that love and that care that he has for you. Yeah. Well, uh, we're about out of time, so uh, I could talk about this for a long time. This, <laughs> yeah. is, this is great. This is what motivates me to walk with the Lord, just the fact that uh, how much He loves me and cares about mm-hmm. me. So, Thanks for joining us for today's conversation. If you'd like more material from Pastor Nate, you can go to PastorNate.com. That's the word pastor, the letter N, and the number 8.com. And for more information about our church, you can connect with us through our website at mountainlife.church. Hope you can join us again next week as we continue the conversation.